The following is an exclusive presentation of Pirate Radio, the voice of the Pirate Nation. This is Eastern North Carolina's longest-running sports radio call-in show. The Brian Bailey Show is on the air. The Brian Bailey Show on Pirate Radio is brought to you by Angus Grill, Bostic Sug Furniture, Bojangles, East Coast Grading, The Gavigan Agency, Greenville Auto World, Papa John's, Pepsi, Seared Chop House, Taft Taft and Hagler, Tiebreakers, EMS Builders, and The Rick House. And now, here's Brian Bailey. Okay, happy Monday, everybody, and welcome in on this Victory Monday for East Carolina. The Pirates with the huge win over the Temple Owls, 45-3. Now just one win shy of six to become bowl eligible. And East Carolina will have three shots at it at Memphis this week, at Navy next week. And then, of course, the finale against the Cincinnati Bearcats, and the Bearcats hung on this past weekend. Our guest for the hour is Roy Tesh. He's the defensive tackles coach. He came here at East Carolina as the special teams coordinator working with the Bandits, the outside uh, linebackers, and then move to the defensive tackles. He's going to talk about the big guys up front on this defensive front for East Carolina. Great guy to talk to, and we're going to have him on coming up next. Roy Tesh, defensive tackles coach, our guest today here on the Brian Bailey Show. Again, it's a Victory Monday. Stay tuned. It's coming up after this. You're listening to The Brian Bailey Show. Now, back to Brian. Hi, welcome back to The Brian Bailey Show on this Victory Monday for East Carolina. 45-3, the Pirates with a big win over the Temple Owls. Roy Tesh, the defensive tackles coach, joins us for the next hour or so. And, Coach, first of all, congratulations on the win. We always say great win. Every win's a great win, right? Absolutely. Yes, sir. It's hard to win a college football game. So anytime you can get one, you definitely got to take a deep breath, enjoy the moment and then put it to bed, and then go on to the next one. So we're excited about it. Yeah, this was one of those games that we haven't seen in a while at East Carolina because the Pirates came out, they were dominant early, never let Temple off the off the mat. I mean, it was one of those dominant performances, and really you guys have a lot to be proud of. Uh, there are a lot of positive things that we did. Now, we're, we're coaches, so we're going to yeah. sit down there and try to find uh, ways to get better, and, and we've got a good group of kids that do the same thing. But it, it's great to be able to go out there and compete uh, and, and, you know, have things turn out the way you want them to and the way you plan them to and, and to play the style of football that we want to play. Chin out over your toes, aggressive uh, in every aspect of the game. So that was exciting to see. When you look at the schedule coming up, obviously what Coach Houston preaches is go, you know, let's go one and zero this week. And I remember other coaches, you know, would say stay you know, humble and hungry and and different things like that. But you almost have to have as a team a certain mindset, and and this team seems to be taking that, you know, to heart. That hey, we just got to go out and go one and zero this week. I think they do that, and and you know that's a testament to the head coach and and how he approaches every team meeting and the things that he does uh, to make sure that we're squared away to, to prepare on a daily basis. He's got uh, you know little notes and stuff he writes on the board, and he goes through that with the guys, and it really gives them a plan of attack for each day. Uh, so it's not even necessarily a next game. It's, a, all right, this is what we're doing today. This is what we've got to get better at in preparation for the game. So I, I think Coach Houston does a great job with that, Coach Harrell as well. We had Coach Harrell on last week and, and talked in depth about the defense. Obviously, we'll talk a lot of defense today. But, but what have you seen about this defense and, and how they've come about, the, uh, just, the, just the way they've, they've progressed this season? Well, I think since being here for a while, 
Uh, you know, I came in with Coach Houston. I think the biggest thing is how they care about each other uh, and, and the way they interact with each other. And then when they go out on the field, they have as much fun in practice uh, as, as they do on game day sometimes. Now, game day is special. Uh, but those guys will get out there and compete and, 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 and really get into it uh, with each other in individual drills. They're competing against each other out there, and then when we get into the team portions of practice, they're competing. So I, I think that's a big deal. Uh, I think that the older we get, uh, the more experienced we get uh, in some places, and, and that shows up as well. Playing time and, uh, and doing the thing that you're trying to do makes you better at it. So I, I think there's a lot of things that go into that, but those are probably two big ones. In the game on Saturday, the Pirates had a great chance at a shutout. Would have been the first shutout for East Carolina in 264 games. The last shutout for East Carolina was 38 nothing against Duke back in the 2000 season opener. How much did you guys talk about the possibility of that shutout in the third quarter? Did, did guys look around at each other and say, hey, we, we got a shot, or, or was it something that, like a no-hitter, you don't talk about it until it's over? I, I didn't hear it. Uh, I have. I would assume that those guys were just probably focused on doing what they had to do at, at, at that point to do their job. Uh, that's not something we talked about on the headset. At that point, it's it's play. It's, let's get an adjustment done on the sideline while the O's are out there, and then you know, when we get out there, it's one play at a time and going on from there. Now, when they lined up for the last field goal, I was praying for a little extra win, but <laughs> didn't work out the way we planned it. I think, and the guy had already missed two, but he he nailed that one. That was right, right really in the did. right in the middle of the tag on goalpost. But when you think about a shutout for a defense, what does a shutout mean for a defense? Well, I think it's a job well done. That's what you're always you know looking for. Uh, if you can shut somebody out in this day and age of, of offenses, yeah. especially in this league, I mean that's a that's an amazing feat uh, to keep someone off the scoreboard. Uh, so that, that's it's something that you that you you, you chase and you don't rare, you rarely get, but when you get an opportunity uh, to get one, it, it really means a lot. And when you think about the Temple Owls, I think the thinking out in the general public was, well, they weren't a very good team. But that's a team that beat Memphis, and that's next up on the Pirates' schedule. So Temple's had a big win or two this year. Uh, Temple's a good football team. They they have a very veteran uh, offensive line. Uh, full of graduate guys. They got a, a very powerful downhill running back uh, that can be hard to tackle at times. And, and you know, they had their quarterback was an SEC guy. Uh, they got dinged up there. Uh, so we wish him the best. You know, and, they, and they're a good football team, and they'll continue to, to push and go forward. This league is full of great teams uh, from top to bottom. So if you think you're going to go into a week in this league and you got an easy one, you got another thing coming. That, that just doesn't happen in the American. We'll talk in detail about Memphis coming up a little bit later. You've got Navy on the schedule as well, and then taking on the Cincinnati Bearcats. And let's touch on Navy just a bit because I know you guys touch on Navy, you know, throughout the season because of their offense. You kind of have to work on that in stages, don't you? You, you do. You got to keep it sharp. We've we've hit on it. Uh, you know, not overlooking any opponent, right. but make sure we're staying sharp on rules because it is so different uh, in how they attack you offensively. So you've got to you've got to spend a little bit of time on it that way. It's not completely foreign. Uh, to you when you get out there. And another thing you've got to do is make sure that your, your guys that are giving you the look are somewhat familiar with it. It is so different uh, that you've got to coach those guys up because the hardest thing to, to match in that game is the speed of the game. So we touch on it. Uh, but you know, mostly the focus is on the next opponent. Yeah, and, and it always is on the next opponent. But I always find it, it funny talking to any coach on any staff. If Navy's on the schedule, that's one of those you got a little asterisk by it, and you're like, yeah, we got to work on that for a while. You do. They're they're different. They're great coaches. They do a phenomenal job, uh, and they always have. So 
if, you, if you're not ready for them when they get there, they, they give you problems. And it just so happens that the last game of the year is the Cincinnati game, and we were walking out together from the game the other night. I had it on my phone watching the end of that thing. That was a bizarre ending for Cincinnati's Bearcats in that game against Tulsa. I mean, you know, really – I don't know if they had a chance to lose the game because they still had to get the touchdown in the two, but they were right down there, weren't they? They were. They were. That was a, a unique situation. But I, I tell you, it goes back to what we said earlier in this league. Yeah. Uh, and, and any team is going to line up and get after you, and you better be ready to go uh, when it kicks off because you never know what's going to come up in the game, that's for sure, and that was a unique ending. Let's talk about your career a little bit. Obviously, you've been with Coach Houston in so many different places. You know, when you find a guy like that, and I always have a lot of respect for all the coaches because you guys have to choose your jobs, and it's your family as well. It's not just you moving and living somewhere. You have to find a place that you're comfortable with the head coach, you're comfortable with the the surroundings, you're comfortable with the school system. I mean, it's it's a complicated deal, isn't it? It is. There's a lot of factors that go into it, and I'll be the first one to tell you that the first time I made a move with a wife and a child – I did a really bad job. <laughs> it was a great opportunity to go where we go, uh, but I think when you when you move and and you you are moving around like that, you've got to make sure that your wife has got what she needs. Your your at that time I had a daughter uh, that we had to get squared away and find a place to live, and and so you've got a, a lot of moving parts there, and and our wives. You know, do a phenomenal job. I and mean, my wife, when we moved, she handled a ton of that, and she always yeah. does because we're sometimes gone and trying to communicate on the telephone however many hours away. Uh, so it, it, coaches' wives are they're a rare breed now. They are, they are some of the toughest people on the planet, uh, some of the most loving people on the planet, uh, and I'm blessed to have the one I got, that's for sure. And, you know, when you look at it, I mean, it's kind of like when you coach for your boss, the head coach, Mike Houston, I mean, if he's a family man, which he is, you know, he understands certain things that come up. And, and you know, but sometimes you just can't get away. I mean, somebody may have a recital or somebody may have – and then sometimes it's just it's just not feasible. There, there are things that you try to fight to get to. My, my daughter's playing volleyball right now, and, and thank goodness we had a – you know, during the open week she had a couple games and I was able to go see her play. But that's, that's always tough with scheduling. Uh, trying to find uh, time to, to make sure that your family's squared away and, and uh, you know, moving forward from there. It's, it's a juggling act that you got to find a way to get done. But Coach Houston does a phenomenal job uh, of helping us with that. He is a family man. He's got those two young boys uh, engrossed in athletics, both of them yes, themselves. Uh, so he, he does a great job helping us out. Uh, let's go back in, in your career. You played at Greensboro College. I really want to ask you about the Carolina Ghost Riders because, you know, as a sportscaster in this state, I don't ever remember hearing about this team that you played for. Now, you played uh, offensive line, right, in college, and then you played defensive line and fullback for the Ghost – what were the Ghost Riders like? Right, so that was the name of the team that moved from Charlotte to Greensboro for a year in a ownership change. Uh, and they were in the Arena 2 League uh, at that time. And, and the Carolina Cobras, I believe it was, they, they, those things changed names so many they times. They did, so and I remember up. the Cobras. But uh, I, I believe that they had dropped down and then they came to Greensboro. And uh, basically they gave me a helmet shoulder pad and said, show up. I played every position on the field. <laughs> the only thing I wasn't on was the short field goal team because I wasn't big enough. Uh, the long field goal team, you got to cover those things. And, and uh, the kickoff team, I was on it. Uh, not real sure why as an as an offensive defensive lineman and a running back, 
Uh, but a war number 57 in that, so the chances of me actually getting the ball as a running back were about zero. It was more step up in the A-gap and take a linebacker in the face in protection. I was the extra center. Uh, but it, it was a unique experience, to say the least, that's for sure. What was the money like for, for somebody that plays for the Carolina Ghost Riders? I, I can always say I would not encourage it. How about that? <laughs> It's got to be. That's got to be a long way from uh, making the money. Not that assistant coaches make millions of dollars, but still, it's got to be a long way from that. Well, at, at that time, I was coaching at Greensboro College, uh, and the seasons were offset, wow. so it was spring for that one uh, one season with that, uh, and then the fall we were working hard uh, there, you know, with the Greensboro College football team. So it offset it a little bit, and uh, I, I'll just say it. I didn't beef up my savings account doing either one at that point in my life. <laughs> when we were young, none of us got a chance to beef up anything, did we? All right, when you started coaching with Coach Houston you know, early on, you know, when did you know that, hey, I'd like to follow this guy wherever he goes? Well, it, we, we got really close uh, because the office that we shared was a tiny duplex in Brevard, North Carolina. Coach had it. He had the big office. He had the one with the bathroom in it. Uh, it was really nice. He actually had cable run to his office, and I had a closet on the other side uh, that I assume at some point was either a bedroom or a, or a hall closet somewhere. Uh, but, you know, mostly going through that season, he was there for uh, probably eight months. We started football there. It was an absolute just unique experience from day one. Uh, taking a job, we didn't start recruiting that team until uh, February after signing date uh, in 2006 and actually played that fall. Uh, so we, we went through a lot of things, installing a defense, trying to get guys through the clearinghouse and everything else. And you got really close when you go through adversity, and, and we went through plenty of it at that job, that's for sure. All right, and take us on through Lenore Ryan. How was that different? Well, you, you got to Lenore Ryan. Coach went there uh, first. He got on with Fred Goldsmith after our 2006 season at, at Brevard, and I stayed uh, at Brevard for another season uh, and then joined that staff as actually the running backs coach uh, in the triple option. Uh, wow. At Lenore Ryan in, in 2000, 2008, uh, I believe, uh, was the season there. And then the next year moved on to be the defensive uh, tackle or defensive line coach there at Lenore Ryan when our defensive line coach left and went uh, on to Furman. Uh, and then worked with Coach Houston as a defensive coordinator. Uh, and then uh, later on as the head coach when he was still calling it. Uh, so he was wearing two hats there. We were trying to do everything we could do to you know, make sure that those hats could fit because he had his hands and his plate full with that. Uh, but had a lot of success there. Uh, you know, took a team that was struggling, uh, that hadn't had a winning season in 20 years, and just implemented uh, the the right way to do things. You know, not only on the field being a physical football team, but off the field and carrying yourself right and, and being a positive member of, of the you know the city. Uh, so it was a long road to hoe there, but I uh, had a lot of success there at the end and, and moved on from there. And then you go to the Citadel. The Citadel was had to be had to be a little different because it's a military-type school, military school. It is. The Citadel is a different place, and, and now it is a, it is a great place right. uh, because the students that go there, when they graduate, uh, they are set for the next – they have a saying that says four for 40. If you go there for four years, you're set for the next 40 of your life, and they, they live up to that. The alumni of that place uh, are phenomenal do a great job of supporting the cadets when they graduate and finding them jobs and things of that nature. Now, that it is a different atmosphere. There's not a lot of free time at the Citadel, and good news is you don't have to bring in barbers because they pass out free haircuts. So, yeah. uh, But, you know, had some success there as well. That was another program that had struggled for a while uh, and actually got it turned around pretty quick there 
uh, in the second year and, and uh, you know, won the Southern Conference Championship in 2015. So, and doing the same things we had done at Lenore Ryan, really the same things that we've tried to institute here. Coach has done it the same way everywhere he's been, been successful everywhere he's been. And then you go to James Madison, and I've told some of you guys this, that, that I went to James Madison for a year. Uh, I didn't quite do well academically and got sent back home <laughs> because of the academic. I'm telling you, I took a history class at James Madison University where I think the guy was with George Washington when he crossed the Delaware because he knew everything about it. He didn't teach it very well, and I didn't learn it very well. But but I love James Madison. I thought it was a great place. I remember umpiring uh, uh, softball, intramural softball on on the astroturf there, and in the snow. I mean, it was it, it was really cool. It was just a neat place, wasn't it? It's it's a great place. It really was. And we actually lived uh, within a mile of, the, of campus of the office, so we walked to work a lot. Wow. Uh, and, and I'd jog home and stuff and see, see my wife at lunch sometimes. But uh, the facilities there are phenomenal. The atmosphere there is phenomenal. It's a place that they, they love to win. They've been good at it. It was a little bit different uh, place for Coach Houston because he had been some places that hadn't been good right. and made them good. Now he was at a place that had been pretty good but had not figured out how to do it in the playoffs. And then year one, he took him to the national championship and won it. So uh, it was a, a unique experience there. really enjoyed the time there. How different was it when you play in a playoff type atmosphere? Because that's something you know at this level you don't see. Because you know right now, obviously, the, the idea is to get to a bowl game. But but in a playoff atmosphere, that's, that's got to be a different type of you know deal for coaches. It's a win or go home. Yeah. It can be a grind. I think we played thirty games in two years there, or some such thing as that. Uh, you know, fifteen games in a season, and the last one is. The last one is actually the, the weekend before classes start back up, so the kids never went home. Oh. Uh, we got a couple of days off for Christmas, you know, to, to hang out with the family. Those guys got to go home, but then it's back and prepare to, to win that game. So it is it's, you get it crammed in as much as you can, prepare for it, win it, and then move on. It's the season all, all again, but it goes, it goes a long time now. It really does. As an assistant coach, when you hear rumors when your head coach is being talked about about a job, I mean, because we just talked about the family situation and everything, but but how does that does that mess with you a little bit? Because you're like, you know, if he goes there, you know, and then you got to wonder, is he going to take me there? That kind of thing. I, I think you treat it like a shutout. You don't talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> you just try to focus on doing your, you know, what you can. Now, it was a lot easier before Twitter. I guarantee oh, yeah. you that, or for social media, because now everybody is everybody in the Twitter sphere knows more about what's going on exactly. than I do, because I don't know how to work that thing. Yeah. Uh, so you, you just you don't need to learn how to no. use that thing. You don't. You're not missing anything. I got. I probably got twelve thousand uh, you know, disappointed followers on Twitter because <laughs> I don't know how to use it. But uh, you keep your head down, you do your job, and and you move forward from there. And I've said this often that that this is I've been here for a lot of coaches change coaching changes, but when this job opened up, I mean Mike Houston's name came up, and that really was the only name that ever you know there were other that, that kind of slithered through, but the one guy that everybody said, hey, we need to get this guy, it was Mike Houston, and that's who they got. I think coaches has had an mo of, of coming into places that it, that had had some some down seasons and, and got the thing rolling back and doing it the right way, and and it takes a long time sometimes. Now he's been some places it didn't. He's been some places it did. You know, when we were at Lenore Ryan and Coach Fred Goldsmith was the head coach, we were struggling early on. And then when Coach took over, I always tell him all the time, you took over as the head coach, we started winning championships. But uh, uh, Coach G, you know, and, and us, us following the same formula, that's who we really learned it from. It, it, it had success. And, and, you know, to be able to come in here and implement that and start to see a little bit of that success, it's, it's really good. So. 
As a coach, and you talked about Twitter a little bit, but how hard is it for you when you see a guy, maybe one of your linemen, that gets, you know, something happens and they, they bust a play and everybody's ripping them? Because, and it probably doesn't happen on the defensive line as much as it does in your skill positions, like at quarterback. I mean, I don't know how, how, how you go through because it's so unfair that these guys can just go on and, and rip, rip you publicly, really. But how do you handle it with the kids? Because they're young kids. Well, I think we've got some mature guys, even though they are young, that, that have learned to, and, and we talk about it all the time. I mean, you've got to focus on what's important. Uh, you've got to ignore what's going on in the world around you and focus on what's going on in your world, uh, which is you know preparing for the next opponent and moving forward. And I think we've got some guys on this team that have really done a great job over the years of doing that, and, and they'll continue to go because we are a young team. Uh, and then the older ones will teach the younger ones as you move forward, and everybody learns as we move. So I, I think that that's you know it's it's something you deal with. You know, and, and you move forward. So. You know, it's funny because when Twitter first came out, I remember somebody asking me about it, and I said, you know, I don't know how many people care about what I think, and I'm a sportscaster on every night of the week. I don't know how many people care about what I think. Why does anybody care about what everybody else thinks? But it, it took off. I mean, it's it's part of our society now. It is, and I still don't get it, and that's why I don't know how to use it because nobody cares what I think. You know, <laughs> But uh, – it's a, it's a unique platform. Everybody's got that. They call it a platform now. You got a, yeah. a voice, and and uh, people, you know, it causes problems sometimes. But it's it's great for other things. And you've just it's like any any other tool. You got to learn how to manage it in order to make it you know useful. Exactly right. Roy Test, defensive tackles coach at East Carolina, our guest on this Victory Monday for East Carolina. We'll take a commercial break right now. We'll come back. We'll continue on with Coach Test right after this. You're listening to The Brian Bailey Show. Now, back to Brian. All right, welcome back on this Monday. Roy Tesh, defensive tackles coach, joins us now. And let's talk about this East Carolina football team and the matchup with the Memphis Tigers. As you look at film early on, what do you see in that Memphis offense? Uh, they are a good offense now. They've got a lot of weapons. Uh, they got some big boys up front. They know how to move the pile. That's obviously what I'm uh, focused on right now. And, and the, you know, them in the run game, got a great quarterback. They can spin it around, does a good job with his feet, keeping the plays alive. They've got some phenomenal speed guys. I mean, just phenomenal speed guys that can break away from you and stretch the field. Uh, so we're going to have our hands full uh, trying to contain them, that's for sure. I think it's one of those neat places to play because the Pirates played in four Liberty Bowls in my career and Liberty Bowl Memorial Stadium right there. And I really think, you know, some of these stadiums are just neat in their own aspect. I think this is one of them. I've never been there, so I'm, I'm looking forward to checking it out. And uh, Coach Weaver has told us that it's a pretty neat place. Coach Ellis has played there before as well. Uh, this will be my first trip to Memphis. So. There's so much history there. And, and this, if this were a bowl trip, obviously I, I've been to, to Elvis's Graceland so many times with the Pirate football team. Now that's a trip to see all those football players go through there and look around and see how Elvis lived. That, that's an experience that you got to see one of these days. But obviously you guys go as a business trip. You won't be in Memphis long just for the football game. But still, uh, the stadium has so much rich history. In it. And I think when you walk through it, you'll really appreciate it. Well, it's it's a, a great stadium, uh, so I'm looking forward to doing that. There are some unique places in this league, so when you travel around, it's it's great to be able to do that. We won't have a lot of time this one. This is an early kickoff, so uh, we, we'll have to touch down, lay down, get up, meet 
and uh, get to it the next day. It's an 11 a.m. kickoff Central Time. With that in mind, what time do you guys you know get up, and what time is your your team meal? Like 8 a.m. Early, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Early a.m. Coach is still mapping that out right now. Uh, and what he's doing is, is trying to put us in the best position to be able to be ready to go with the pregame meal and the, and the walkthroughs and things of that nature. But also keep in mind the, the rest and the, the sleep of the of the guys the night before. So he'll have it all hammered out, and uh, he'll give us a little note card. I got one laying right there, as a matter of fact. And yeah. it, it'll tell you where to be and when to be there. So I got the easy job on that. Read the note card. <laughs> I, I tell you, this is the first time in my 37-year career here that I've been able to travel with the team because we've got enough depth to do the high school football show at the station and they allowed me to host the Mike Houston show so it's been an experience and you're talking about the card you know they give you a lanyard each week and basically all you do is look and you see what time what time your bus loads what time you have to be there and you're right they make it really really simple but it's been it's been a real experience for me just to see the business type the business-like atmosphere that you guys go in you get to the to the thing everything's so well organized you know you get to the airport you get on the plane you fly you get off the plane you get on the bus you go right you know the, the police escorts get you to the hotel you get to the hotel the keys are on the tables alphabetical order you get your keys and and then you guys have meetings and, and you guys don't have a lot of downtime right and, and that's a testament to Jake Kirkendall and Dale yeah. Steele. Yeah. Well, those guys, they, they wrangle uh, the circus that is a, a road trip. They do a phenomenal job. We get there. I don't have to worry about, and none of us do, we don't have to worry about what's going on and where we know what time it's going to be. We know it's going to start early. It's not going to start on time. It's going to start early. It's going to be ready to go. So we focused in on what do we need for our meetings and getting our guys prepared, and, and they've got the rest of it. They do a phenomenal job of that. They go by the same theory that I picked up years ago. If you're early, you're on time. You're on time, you're late. And if you're late, you're not a factor. And that's a good one to go with, isn't it? That is the East Carolina way right now. I guarantee it. That should be. All right, let's talk about some of the guys in your room. And one of my favorite players, and just the story that he has, is Elijah Morris. Because I think that, you know, when you're a recruit out there, but people aren't you know aren't sure if you make it on the scholarship level, and you come in and you're, you know, you bet on yourself, basically. And he did. And he's come in and he's been really a positive he's a great young man I think first and foremost that's his biggest attribute he's a great he's a good football player he gets a little bit better every day uh, we lean on him a little bit harder every day with some intangible things that he does but he's a phenomenal human being uh, and, and I think that that's going to be the really the really thing that he draws from as he continues to move forward in his career he's going to get bigger he's going to get stronger he's going to get faster all young guys do uh, but he if as long as he never forgets who he is and be a great human being uh, he'll get other guys to follow him, and we'll continue to have success. And you think about it, with, with the COVID year not counting, I mean, some of these guys can be here for a long time. I know that's going to be a, a conversation for another day, but just think about how big and strong some of these guys can get. They'll get big, they'll get strong in there with Big John. Now they got no choice. Uh, but you know, some of them might leave with master's degrees and doctorates and things <laughs> yeah. of that nature. It'll be interesting to see where this thing goes. Uh, yeah, you may have doctors on that defensive line before this thing's over with. All right, some of the other guys with, with – uh, Elijah Morris, uh, Xavier McIver, Jason Schufer, they were listed as uh, or as far as the starters go on the depth chart from uh, last week as the uh, second teamers on that defensive line behind Elijah Morris. But talk about them a little bit. Well, it, we've got a lot of ors on there because yeah. we've got a, a good room of young guys. Uh, and they show up and they compete every day. And you'll see that uh, reflected yeah, we play a lot of them. I've been accused of being a, a hockey coach before, and I just rotate the lines in and out you know, to kill the penalties or whatever. But uh, we play a lot of bodies because we're trying to keep fresh bodies, especially against tempo-paced teams, uh, that we, we've got to make sure that we're fresh and ready to go. But those guys show up and compete every day, and, and you can't have a bad day uh, in our room because if you do, the guy behind you will catch you. 
Uh, and then if you relax when you've caught somebody, the guy that you just passed will pass you again. So that makes us better in the room. And, and uh, Zay's done a phenomenal job, McIver, there. He's, he's uh, started for us in a couple games and played a lot of snaps. Jason Shuford uh, is a guy that's found his way on special teams and, and found his way uh, into the lineup a couple times as well. Just a big human being that can mo- really move for a guy his size. And, and we've got some other young guys like Sue Red Ware at the tackle position. Uh, who started for us a couple games early in the year and, and really had some success in the interior as a pass rusher. And then Deontay Johnson has come on uh, as well. Uh, you know, guys, each guy in that room gets a little bit better every day. So even some of them that haven't seen the field as much as others are continuing to grow. Uh, so we're excited about where that thing's going. And on the depth chart, you guys list a whole slew of defensive linemen, but you know a bunch of those defensive linemen are more on the outside. Are those the, the main interior ones with Morris and McIver, Shuford? So Morris, McIver, Shuford, Javion uh, uh, McRae in there, De- uh, D'Angelo McKinney, uh, Rick DeBrew has played a little bit on the interior force here the last couple games, played a good bit on the interior force the last couple games. Sue Red Ware, a uh, guy we've leaned on early. Uh, in the year there. We've got about eight guys that are cycling through and just those two tackle positions. So, uh, And like I said, Deontay Johnson in there pushing. So we've got a good crew of those guys in there. And they all do something a little bit better than the guy next to them. And they all push to get a little bit better every day. So we're excited about it. Yeah, and anytime you can move some of these guys that are inside and move them outside, and then because that's a whole different mindset. It is. And, and you know, the, to play on the edge when you don't – we always joke in our room, it's a little bit different when you got 300 pounds on one ear and 300 pounds on the other ear and they're pushing together and you're in the middle and just trying to stay in that crease. Uh, it's a different world down there in between the, uh, the guards. Uh, so when you go out there on the edge, you know, those guys out there on the edge are competing uh, for us there. Coach Tim Dows does a great job with those guys on the edge for us and, and they fight and play physical. Uh, but you know we're we're really focused on those ones down there in the interior because we got to hold gaps and we got to knock them back. Yeah, and that's that's really where the game's won and lost: offensive line, defensive line, and 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 those guys, you know, the flyers or or those defensive ends that can come through. I mean, I'm a big fan of Jeremy Lewis because I had a chance to see Jeremy at South Central, and and when he went to tight end, and they, and the Pirates were really struggling; they didn't have any tight ends, so Jeremy had to almost fill a void. But now that he's on defense and he's had a big year. He has. He's a great young man. He comes and, and competes, and he likes to compete and, uh, and can really, you know, really get off the ball and run uh, on the edge, which is an attribute when you've got an edge pass rusher. And we've got a couple of those guys that have, that have been showing up a little bit. When you've got guys that can do that on the edge, it makes life easier in the interior for us. And we joke all the time, say, hey, look, we rush together. You know, we're all going to hit it as hard as we can go, rush our responsibility, let the offense figure out which one of us is going to hit the quarterback. So uh, it's, it's a great asset to have those guys out there on the edge for sure. Do those interior linemen, do they, they like those, the, the little uh, interior moves when, when, you, when you're you know, flipping around and that kind of thing? They better like it because we do a lot of it. <laughs> Coach Harrell, uh, his, his defense, he does a phenomenal job moving us around and, and moving the whole, the whole defense around, putting – different hats and gaps and putting different guys in coverage responsibilities and changing up stuff. It looks like we're coming from 10,000 uh, different positions, and we are. You know, we really are. We've got a, a lot of stuff that we bring in 
uh, to each game plan. The guys do a great job sitting down, learning it. Coach Harold does a phenomenal job of putting it all together and calling the thing on game day. So it's a it's a unique defense, that's for sure. I had a, a chance to have Blake Harold on last week with me for the for the hour, and then I was talking to some other people about Blake, and he he comes on the sideline before the game. He was speaking to all the recruits on Saturday, and and he just he's so unassuming. I mean, I mean, we were joking that the former defensive coordinator, one of the former defensive coordinators here, Greg Hudson, whose daughter is here on your staff, and she would love me saying this, but Greg, I think he rode his motorcycle into the stadium. I mean, he was he would come in, you know, and, and everybody knew who it was, but Blake comes in, he's kind of quiet, unassuming, but he's done a phenomenal job with his defense. He, he really has, and, and I've known him for a long time, so I don't I don't know him as necessarily quiet and unassuming. Oh, that's so I, right. But uh, he, he does a phenomenal job and, and, and really puts, he's a hard hat guy. Now, he's one of the best football coaches I've been around. Uh, one of the one of the best young defensive coordinators uh, out there, in my opinion. Now that and the nickel get you a cup of coffee, but I think he does a phenomenal job, uh, really do. And and you know he's a pleasure to work for, keeps us involved uh, in everything that he's got going on, and does a good job wrangling the defensive room. That's for sure. Let's take a look at this Memphis Tiger offense as we uh, continue on. This Memphis team, 5-4 and four in the year, 2-3 and three in the American. This is a Memphis team that started 3-0, and wins over Nichols, Arkansas State, and then Mississippi State. Very impressive win there. Uh, lost three in a row. UTSA, now nationally ranked, at Temple and at Tulsa. And they came back, beat Navy, then lost to UCF. So they've been up and down, but they're coming off a huge win. 23rd ranked SMU, 28-25. Is, is it an advantage or a disadvantage when you're playing a team that's coming off a big win? I, I don't think it's either one. Right. Uh, with those guys, they know how to win football games. And, and in some of those games that they lost, they were ahead big. Uh, and, and for whatever reason, you know, things don't turn out the way they wanted them to. They can score points in a hurry. Uh, they, they do a phenomenal job on offense. Uh, so they know how to win big games. Like you said, they, they've beaten an SEC team. You know, so it's a it's – a, it's a formidable opponent, that's for sure. It's very similar to East Carolina because the Pirates had an SEC team on the ropes in South Carolina. Mississippi State, Memphis was able to beat them. Uh, and Memphis has been up and down. They've had a chance to win several of these games. Memphis could have a sparkling record. East Carolina, you know, we think back, and Coach Houston has said it, Coach Harrell said it last week. I mean, there were chances of South Carolina, chances against Houston, chances against UCF to really take control of this league. You know, the old adage, and I've said this a couple of weeks in a row, but, you know, when, when you take over a program that has really struggled, first you lose big, then you then you lose small, then you win small, and then you win big. And it's kind of like the Pirates are in between that that losing small and winning small. There's there's steps to it all. You never yeah. know what it'll take uh, to, to get it going. And, and what normally happens is uh, one day they show up and they kick the door in. And, yeah. and then, it, like you said, you start winning big. And, and it, you have to learn how to win, but you have to learn how to do things right before you learn how to win. And, and in order to be a leader, you got to learn how to be a follower first. Uh, so I think our guys have put in a lot of hard work learning how to, to do things right, following the example of folks in front of them. And now you've got some of those guys uh, that, are, that are learning how to be leaders and, and dragging some of the young kids along with them. And, and you're starting to see it show up on the field and, and us having success. Pirates one win away from six, which would make the Pirates bowl eligible for the first time since 15. And and that's a huge goal for the program. Uh, Holt Naylor said after the game, though, that the players talk about it all the time. I don't think the coaches talk about it very much. You guys might talk about it in, in a private meeting, but I think the goal, and, and I said to this to Mike Houston after the game on his te- television show, I said, hey, Coach, I know you. What you're going to say this week is we've got to go 1-0. There's, there's, no, there's no six in the vocabulary. It's just go 1-0, and he agreed. And I think that's what you guys do as a staff. 1-0 this week. Exactly. 
But but what would a bowl what would a bowl trip mean to this program right now? Because when you think about it, all the fans and, and maybe the media even we think about well, it's an extra game. But more than an extra game, you get extra practices, especially with the young you know players, and and they get extra time, and that's invaluable. There are some things that come along with that. Uh, but we've got to stay focused on the job at hand. If, if we don't line down and prepare each week and go 1-0 each week, then we'll never know. Uh, so we, we've got to stay focused in on Memphis and what they do and slowing them down uh, offensively. And, and our offensive guys are in there grinding right now to figure out the game plan to, to get it on the board and get it done over there. I know they'll they'll find a way. Uh, so we got to stay focused on 1-0. And then if that comes up, then they – then we'll we'll reap the benefits of it later. But for right now, there's one thing on the on the mind. I know one of the keys to this pirate defense has been creating turnovers on the defensive line. What are some of the things you teach that that you know we can cause some turnovers? We can create some because Elijah he, he seems to come up with fumbles, especially last year. He had three of them. I think he was like third in the nation or something. But but how do you guys teach? You know, let's get a turnover or two. Well, first thing, run to the ball. Run to the ball. We we've got a joke. Coach Houston and I used this at, at Brevard College a hundred years ago. He said every morning in Africa, a lion wakes up and knows he's got to outrun the slowest antelope or he's going to starve. And every morning in Africa, an antelope wakes up and he knows he's got to outrun the lion or he's going to get eaten. The moral of the story is it don't matter who you are, a lion or antelope, when you wake up in the morning, you better be running. And so we want our guys to run to the ball. Uh, and when you run to the ball and you're around the ball, it, t- chances are when it's on the ground, you'll get it. And we've got some guys that have done a phenomenal job of stripping footballs uh, getting, you know, creating those turnovers, and when the thing is out, now we got to get it. Uh, so, so you got to run to the ball, and then you know, our our skill guys do a phenomenal job. We've got some drills that we do during practice, both offensively and defensively, to work on ball security. One for us, get it out. Two for them, don't let them get it out, uh, and compete in that, and and that's shown up on the field. And then those guys in the back. You know, those sharks swimming around back there, Coach Ellis and Coach Weaver got those guys ball hawking back there looking for the, the thing when it's in the air. So I think the first thing you teach them is run to the ball, and then you know, when you do that, good things happen. Especially in fumbles and fumble drills. I mean, you know, you're punching the ball out and that kind of thing, but it's a fine line because you don't want a lot of arm tackling. No. You know, you've got to, you know, somebody's got to stick him, somebody's got to hold him, and somebody's got to come through, and then you try to punch it out. I, I th- you secure the tackle first. That's what we teach them. Secure the tackle, and then, then you've got to get the ball out. And, and a lot of times with my guys, it's, hey, get over there and hit the guy with the brown thing because somebody's going to strip it out as long as you can get over there and, and, and get the tackle. So uh, we're all doing that stuff together. And, and you know we've done circuits in the past. Coach Harrell uh, really puts an emphasis on that. It's all about the ball. It's something we talk about, and it's something you see the guys do. All right, we're wrapping things up with Roy Test, defensive tackles coach. I know you guys had a lot of recruits on the field before the game uh, on Saturday. I know you can't talk about individuals, but how pleased were you to have such, such a, a big number of recruits? I, I think we had not only a big number, but we had some really good caliber guys. And we can't talk about those guys right. individually, but it's a, it, it was a, a really good crew. Uh, and we're excited about that. And I think there's a lot of great football in North Carolina, specifically Eastern North Carolina, had you know some uh, some guys around from that area, and, and to be able to recruit this state, and not only this state but across the state lines here, both North and South, some places in Virginia and South Carolina are as close to here as oh, yeah. you know, Western North Carolina. Uh, so to be able to to expand upon our footprint and get the best talent and who's who of, of, of who's playing in high school here is, is a phenomenal deal. It really is. I was raised in the Tidewater area in Chesapeake, and I know that's a huge – that's only two hours from here, and that's a huge center for lots of, of, of you know, football-rich recruits. Great football. 
in the tide water. Some of the best players that have played the game are from up there. They yeah. know how to do it right. And, and uh, you know, for that to be in our footprint and, and, you know, to be able to draw around a line around here and get the majority of the state and then the Richmond area of Virginia and also down in the Myrtle Beach area of South Carolina, the Highway 9 corridor down there uh, where, where there's some great football uh, is, a, is a real asset to us to be able to get them here. And that's one of the keys, I think, in recruiting is sometimes, you know, parents, they want to be able to see their, their sons and daughter – daughters play it's a female sport but in football obviously their sons play but but you know and and being two hours away that's a good you know good spot it is and, and that's always a big one for for some families now you know some families are used to traveling around and that it doesn't bother them so every every situation is different but I, I think for us to be able to try to recruit this area uh, is big for us because of you know we we know what we're getting we know the football in this area and, and how good it is and and how it's been you know, cultivating this place in the past, and we've got to continue to tap into that. All right, let's wrap it up with the coach. Let's just talk about Memphis again. Keys to, to playing well defensively against this Tiger offense. Stop the run. We always say that. We preach that in our room. Uh, we've got to be able to do that. We've got to be able to manage their tempo. They can move pretty fast when they want to. Uh, we've got to be able to match their physicality and go beyond it, uh, which they've got some big old boys up front, so we got to we got to – play fast and nasty uh, in, in there in the interior, and then we've got to do a great job matching the, the feet and the speed that they have in the operation of their quarterback. So put it all together and we'll have a success. It's got to feel pretty good that you've got big games in November because, you know, when you're rebuilding a program and by the time you get to November, you're beat up, and if you have a losing record, this team has a winning record and so much to play for. We do, and Coach Houston said it the other day, we, we've known an old ball coach before, said they remember November. Uh, so to have uh, games in the month of November that people are excited about is a, is a blessing. And it's an early morning kickoff coming up, 11 a.m. Central Time, 12 noon for the kickoff for East Carolina and the Memphis Tigers. you got to get up early this week. Yes, sir. Got to get ready to go. <laughs> You'll be ready to go. Roy Test, defensive tackles coach, joining us. We'll take a break. Thanks, Coach, so much for your time. We certainly appreciate it. Good luck this week. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. All right, we'll be back with more on the Brian Bailey Show on this Monday after this. You're listening to The Brian Bailey Show. Now, back to Brian. All right, welcome back on this Victory Monday for East Carolina. Pirates win it 45-3 over the Temple Owls from Saturday. Windy, blustery day. Didn't start raining until about a minute, minute and a half to go in the game. So the weather pretty much stayed clear for the most part. But it was a tough, uh, tough weather outing for East Carolina's Pirates and the Pirate Nation. But the Pirate Nation came out and saw a dominant performance from their football team from this past weekend. All right, let's get you set for high school football Coming up, round two of the state playoffs. And for JP2, it's a state championship Friday night in the NCISAA Class 1A state championship game. It'll be John Paul II Catholic going up against Kerry Christian. Kerry Christian upset Parrot Academy 64-22 in Kinston on Friday night. So JP2 plays for the state championship Friday night against Kerry Christian. A look out for those Saints in that one. All right, so second round play around the area. Southeast Halifax plays at top seed Tarboro. Tarboro had a buy in round one. Riverside is at Perquimans. North Edgecombe at Rosewood. Kip Pride plays at the seventh seed Southside. The Seahawks are at home for another round. And Northside Pinetown also is at home for another round. They're the number two seed. Northside also had a buy in the first round. They'll play Hobton coming up in round one. Two-way play. Kinston makes the trip to Goldsboro. 
Greensboro to take on Princeton uh, in that matchup. Edenton at Northeastern up in Elizabeth City. Washington goes on the road in Burlington to take on Cummings. Wallace Rose Hill will be in Vanceboro against West Craven. And Clinton will take on East Duplin. That's the 2A matchups for our area teams. 3A play Havelock is the 16th seed, and they've got their work cut out for them this week. They take on the top seed, Eastern Alamance uh, at Eastern, coming up on Friday night. Jacksonville is on the road in Wilson at Hunt. Terry Sanford plays at J.H. Rose. The Ramparts were winners over Croatan on Friday night. Struggled early with the Croatan run game, but they uh, came to life and uh, won that game in blowout fashion, so they take on Terry Sanford in round two at home. Scotland County plays at West Carteret and Northern Nash is at home to Smithfield Selma. Area teams in the state 3A playoffs. Only one team in 4A played. D.H. Conley played a great game at Hillside. Came up just a little bit short. Their season ends. Newburn is the 4C. Bears back at home in round 2 and they take on Wake Forest Roseville. Those are the matchups for the second round of the state high school football playoffs. Looking forward to that coming up uh, this weekend. Join us for Touchdown Friday at 11.05. Ken Watlington will be in to uh, host it for me. I've got some commitments, family commitments on Friday at a wedding, so I won't be there this week for that. Won't get a chance to go to Memphis with the Pirates either, but we'll still have the uh, Mike Houston show for you coming up Sunday at 11.30. As far as Pirate Radio is concerned, the 8 a.m. kickoff of the Bud Light pregame tailgate, 12 noon kickoff Eastern for East Carolina and Memphis, and that game is available on ESPN+. All right, we'll take our final timeout for the Brian Bailey Show for this edition, and we'll come back. We'll wrap things up right after this. You're listening to The Brian Bailey Show. Now, back to Brian. All right, welcome back as we wrap things up. East Carolina 5-4 and four and 3-2 and two in the American Athletic Conference, taking on the Memphis Tigers. Memphis 5-4 and four and 2-3 and three in American play. Memphis started the season, as we said during the show when we talked to Roy Tesh, they started the season 3-0 and oh with wins over Nichols, Arkansas State, and Mississippi State. Then they lost three in a row. Texas San Antonio at Temple and at Tulsa. And the one that really is a head-scratcher is at Temple because the Pirates took care of Temple 45-3 this past Saturday at Dowdy Ficklin Stadium. Uh, after that, Memphis beat Navy and beat them quite handily, then lost to UCF, and then knocked off the 23rd-ranked team in the country in SMU 28-25 from this past week. So uh, we don't know what we're going to see with the Memphis Tigers, but Memphis at 5-4, uh, and 2-3 and three in the conference. Memphis 4-1 and one this season at home and 1-3 and three on the road. East Carolina one win short of being bowl eligible at Memphis the next week at Navy in Annapolis and then back home on Black Friday to take on the Cincinnati Bearcats and the Bearcats had themselves quite a scare we'll have to see uh, how it runs out with the college football playoff didn't hurt them in the polls they stayed at number two in the Associated Press poll but uh, we'll have to see how the college football playoff uh, looks at the Bearcats the Bearcats on the outside looking in as far as the college football playoffs are concerned at this juncture but you know that can change at any time every week it changes and there were some upsets this past weekend Michigan State got beat so uh, we'll see where the Bearcats end up coming up this week. Pirates almost had their first shutout in 264 games. The last time the Pirates shut out the opponent it was at Duke to kick off the 2000 season and that was a 38-0 win for East Carolina. Pirates almost did it 
had the uh, late interception and then the uh, field goal. And at that point in the game, you kind of wonder, you know, when you're down that much, do you kick a field goal? Sometimes teams will just to get practice and, and get, you know, the guy missed two, maybe give him some confidence. Uh, sometimes you don't. You just go for the touchdown and try to make it uh, as close as you possibly can. But Temple decided to go for the field goal. And despite the win, the guy came through. So uh, give him credit. He did make that field goal. 45-3 was the final. And the Pirates are still trying to get that shutout. 264 games. Been a long time time but that pirate defense is playing very very well i want to thank roy test defensive tackles coach for being my guest today and talking pirate football to get you set for the memphis game he also touched on navy a little bit east carolina five and four on the season set to take on the memphis tigers also at five and four our coverage on pirate radio begins at 8 a.m on saturday with the bud light pregame tailgate and it's a 12 noon kickoff on espn plus for east carolina and memphis that's our show for this monday have yourself a great sports week and we'll see you back here Next week on The Brian Bailey Show. This has been The Brian Bailey Show, brought to you by Angus Grill, Boston Sug Furniture, Bojangles, East Coast Grady, The Gavigan Agency, Greenville Auto World, Papa John's, Pepsi, Seared Chop House, Tap Taft and Hagler, Tiebreakers, EMS Builders, and The Rick House. Join us next time for another edition of The Brian Bailey Show, exclusively on Pirate Radio, the voice of the Pirate Nation.